There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. You're listening to another Big Buck Breakdown from the Element Podcast. Yeah. What's happening, all my woods people? Um, Casey, you and I have been together for the last few days, and now we've got you remotely uh, bu- <laughs> buzzing in on this podcast. Like, why? Why can we not seem to get these done when we're hanging out together? I don't know if it's because we're responsible or irresponsible. It's, it's a mixture of the two, how that works. But we get together on a hunting trip, and all we want to do is hunt and scheme for hunting, and we don't really care to. Uh, take time to do this but yeah. don't worry guys we do care about you listening it's just it's, whenever you're like working hard to kill a buck sometimes that's all that's on your mind yeah i think they'll understand i mean you know, we did do a podcast yesterday, uh, you know, an interview, and and um, so it's not like we didn't do anything. So yeah, none other than Matt Ross of the QMA. That's Mr. right, man. Matt the man. That's right. Killed a big buck in New York. We're gonna hear from him in just a second. Yep, yep. Matt's uh, yeah. Matt's just full of information, man. Like you can't you can't just do a story with Matt. You know, I like, can't yeah, just get the story. <laughs> You're gonna learn something. You know what I mean? That's a good yeah. thing. That's a good thing because yeah. I like I got a lot of teachers in my family, and people who teach are special to me so i'm glad that That's matt likes idea. to teach but uh for sure well we are split up now yep uh not like a not like a divorce but just currently separated <laughs> uh, and uh you are actually gonna go and do some more hunting while i'm gone uh and it might cause a divorce if you go in there and kill a giant but we'll get there <laughs> later <laughs> but yep. anyways um we've been hunting for a couple days here in kansas and uh it's been super streaky but there is a little bit of trail camera information to kind of make you want to go back in there right that's right man um so you and i both have an exodus lift too which are their nicer version or their you know more featured version um of their of their cameras their offerings and um 
they're super nice and i basically got volunteered to put mine on on this property and i'm glad i did because there are some big bucks on it we've actually hunted this particular property this location by this trail camera the last uh, two hunts and have seen zero deer so it's it's kind of weird like usually like you might see zero deer on your trail camera and then you go and you see a few deer maybe in the distance that didn't get on your trail camera or whatever this is the opposite we get all kinds of deer on a trail camera and then we see zero deer in person yeah <laughs> yeah so. it's crazy and in fact the first the first day i was i was here I had packed in and planned on hunting that and couldn't because the wind was bad. And then that evening that I would have been hunting there, uh, they had a deer party and mm. the trail camera showed us that, Dude. which is, was a real crying shame. It was, we have, we've got, uh, three 10 points that are shooters. Like, and when I say shooters, like that can be confusing because sometimes Casey and I are known to like shoot smaller bucks, <laughs> so, yeah. but these are like, but, these are legit, like one forty-five, one fifty, and ups, probably. Yeah, it, that gives we, uh, you an idea. We treat this tag a little bit differently. Usually, this is kind of more of the go and try to kill a big buck tag. So, mm-hmm. uh, and these definitely qualify in that. And then now, since the season's pushing late, there's actually maybe even a couple more over there that uh, are going to be pretty tempting if they roll in through too. So, oh yeah, uh, dude. I mean, you've got and, uh, you 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 passed a a big nine well big bodied you know i don't know how old he is but he's a big bodied nine point that's kind of got a tight rack all all around but a solid deer um we've seen him a few times you've passed him he might not get the pass if he comes in on me uh and i don't think he would (laughs) for you either at this point in the season um and then there's uh there's uh another deer that's probably pretty old and has a split g3 and a split g2 and he's just heavy and just such a cool interesting rack and that's kind of the deer that your heart set on right i would love to get after that bug but if you get the chance to shoot him tonight and don't i will also be mad at you so uh, dude i'm i know not doing it like here's the deal it's it's quite the conundrum like i'm gonna either be really upset with you that you didn't shoot him or i'm gonna be a little bit jealous that you do get to shoot him. so one or the other <laughs> right. uh, I, I would it, like one of those scenarios ends up with you having a giant dead buck and one doesn't so you can choose which one you want <laughs> dad go uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean both of those deer too have been showing up on that exodus quite a bit in daylight uh i have a feeling that if you hunt that much more you're gonna have a choice to make on that nine point sooner or later well because i got the choice made he yeah he likes that place so hopefully you can get you can get opportunity there yeah well you're heading back uh to check another exodus trail camera correct i am i am on my home property at some point in time probably not this evening i gotta go teach youth class tonight but tomorrow hopefully i will be uh able to check that camera at some point in time uh when we left there was uh minimal deer movement because they had moved to the big timber eating acorns quite a bit Hopefully some of those acorns have either been eaten up or have started to rot from some of the rains we've gotten, and those those bucks will be back on more of a consistent feed pattern, whether that's on corn or on uh, um, that food plot that I have planted over there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm looking forward to get back to there, man. I've, I've dedicated a bunch of time to it already, so kind of now I feel like I owe it to myself to go over there and, and make it happen, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully it will. Yeah. Man, and uh, we – 
I hope it does for you too. And, and you're going to check that trail camera to kind of help you make that decision, I guess. But um, yeah. I also know that we've got like a bunch of trail cameras scattered across Texas uh, public properties that uh, have not been checked since like early, early, like I don't even know if the season was open when we checked them. Like and, hot season October. Yeah. Much. And so those are kind of exciting. Also, there's a likelihood that there's going to be at least one camera stolen. Um, oh, I hope it is not <laughs> the there's, case. But, there's that. Uh, awesome. Then yeah. and there's also the fact that I'm just kind of sad that I haven't hunted uh, any public um, in Texas since early November. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, was able to harvest two deer in early Woo-hoo! November. <laughs> That's right. In in Texas on on uh, some Texas public land and um, anyway those videos are starting to drop the Texas series is now releasing we've got two videos from the Texas series that have released already and one has the first deer that I killed on public in Texas in it which is a uh, big old doe um, and it's it's a 10 minute video so it's an easy watch don't uh, feel like you have to commit to something that's 20 25 minutes or whatever um, go, you can go watch it. There's a little bit of tactic in it and you, you kind of get to see, um, and if you want to watch the video before, it's a lot longer, but it's got maps and that kind of thing in it. It's a little different format than what we've done, uh, so far this year. Um, and then the next video from the series, I kill a big old Texas public land buck in the video. So, uh, definitely worth watching if you're interested in that kind of thing, uh, which I think if you're listening right now, you probably are. And then uh, from there, it goes to to Kansas, back to Iowa, back to Kansas, back to Kansas. It's like yeah. a bunch of stuff in the docket right now, man, just ready to be uh, ready to be released. So I'm working up that stuff as, as much as possible. The uh, Thanksgiving holiday kind of shut it down. But um, to help you stay up to date on what we're releasing and that kind of thing, make sure you've subscribed on YouTube. I would assume a lot of y'all have subscribed on YouTube. Um uh, based off of how many, how, you know, how many subscribers we do have, but there's a lot more people that probably uh, still haven't. So go subscribe. Yeah, tell your friends. Yeah, friends yeah, exactly. It. it helps us out <laughs> tremendously if you do. Um, and then also, um, you know, feel free to comment and like and that kind of thing. Um, that helps us out a ton, and it helps you out if you're interested in what we're doing, just to stay uh, abreast of what we're doing. So, anyway, that's my plug. And I guess with that, man, is there anything else before we get Matt on the phone? Uh, let me see if I can learn how to kill a, a private land bug from Matt. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Let's get him on the phone. Brothers, let's forgive and forget. There's blood in the river and that's why they call it the red. Okay, we have got Matt Ross with the Quality Deer Management Association on the phone. Matt, what's happening, dude? What's going on, Casey? How you doing? Uh, we are doing good. Tyler and I are uh, in Kansas trying to get some whitetails on the ground, and we are looking for some inspiration, and you recently have <laughs> really killed a really nice buck, man. Tell us the story on that deal. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate the uh, the compliment. It's been uh, it's been a long time coming for me to kill a deer in my home state in New York. Um kind of the background is uh, I'm from New York. I do most of my hunting here, although I travel a little bit. Um, and for the past 10 years or so, uh, the farm that I have permission to hunt on um, and a bunch of neighbors have formed a co-op. And uh, New York's a pretty high-pressure state, um, a lot of deer die at young ages. But in this co-op, we're trying to bring deer up to the older age classes, manage the habitat, 
um, and just have fun with it. And uh, we have a personal or, or co-op wide rule of trying to shoot deer that are three and older. Um, I have a personal uh, threshold of a little bit higher than that, so I've been trying to hold out for deer that are four and older, which is close to insanity in New York. So that's, <laughs> that's just my preference. I've killed a decent amount of three-year-olds, and uh, I don't necessarily have to to kill a buck. I'm, I'm happy shooting does and managing the population. I have access to other property. So on this co-op, I've been trying to shoot a four and older, and it's been several years since I've I've put a deer down, and we luckily have them out there running around. And uh, this particular deer is kind of a, a newbie to the property. I mean, we didn't really have a lot of history with them, but a lot of trail cameras coming into this fall. Um, he, you know, a lot of folks probably dislike and some like naming deer. This one had a, a name, not like a person's name, but we just called him Gate 8 because we got a first picture of him near a red gate on the <laughs> co-op. And he was a really nice eight-pointer, four, uh, four years old, uh, estimated on the hoof. And just use that information to to try to pinpoint where he was, and and I get into a, a stand that I really love to hunt. Um, it's a really great rut stand for me, and has been over the years. It's on a, a kind of a nice back ridge in the woods, uh, mostly white oaks growing on this ridge. Quite a bit of ag around, but um, decent walk into the stand. Uh, just to the north of it. Um, it was is a recent clear cut that we we do quite a bit of active forest management um, in the past year. There's not a lot of good bedding cover in there, but it's going to become uh, a really good bedding spot. And just that disturbance um, alone, I knew that there were going to be deer in there browsing on the young annual plants that are coming up. It's about a um, there is actually two clear cuts right next to each other, a 12 acre and about a four or five acre cut. So it's quite a bit open space. I can't see those cuts; they're several hundred yards away. And we also have a food plot um, just to the west of that uh, of that clear cut. So there's all these food sources to the north of me, and the deer like to walk uh, this ridge. It's an east-west running ridge. And I slipped in the stand. I actually hunted it in October uh, once or twice. Um, the white oak trees on this particular ridge were not dropping. I was expecting them to because they've been dropping in other parts of where I hunt. So I went in there to hunt to capitalize on that early season food source, and they weren't dropping. And I did not see a lot of deer. Um, so right near there, there's a farm that actually had some standing crops that I had a feeling the deer were in the corn. It hadn't been cut yet. And I'm friends with, and it's actually that landowner is part of the co-op. I texted him and said, hey, uh, when do you plan to cut that corn? Because I have a feeling the deer moving in there would be a lot better. Uh, once that's cut, he said, actually, we're doing it in a week or so. So I timed my next hunt once that corn was cut to go in there on the right wind um, and looked in there uh, for an afternoon hunt. It was actually early November, the 3rd of November, I think, on a Sunday, and um, sat for, I don't know, a couple hours in the afternoon, hadn't seen much activity, and just did a blind, uh, rat, light rattling sequence. You know, it's early November, conditions were right, the wind was right, that corn was cut. Um, I, I just knew that there must have been a buck up just to the north of me and uh, a light blind uh, rattling sequence. And honestly, the deer came in. Um, not a lot to tell about the shot. I mean, he came in approaching from my west, um, walked uh, just south of me on a trail. The ridge is narrow enough. I have about a 25-yard shot to the north or a 25-yard shot to the south of me, and he walked south of me. 
and I can shoot across the ridge on either way, uh, either either direction. I'm situated right in the middle, and they're hang on. And uh, he walked in the lane, and I stopped him with the with the mouth grunt and shot him. Put an arrow behind him. It was a really good shot. I knew I killed him soon. One of those <laughs> shots where you're like, but oh, that is a dead deer. Like I knew it. I heard it. I saw it. And uh, um, I was pretty sure, you know, in the moment that I was the buck. I knew it was a buck that was four and older, and it was a deer I was going to shoot. I was not 100% certain it was the deer that I was going after, but I was pretty sure. <laughs> and uh, it turned out to be the buck I wanted to shoot. So I, I, I was really pleased. It had been seven years since I killed a buck on that property. Wow. So I, was, I was excited, yeah. So what is the, uh, I mean, what's the, what's the reason that you, in particular, wanted to hold out for? Because doesn't the QDMA... Uh, isn't their threshold as well th- kind of a three and a half year old age class of buck? And if so, why why did why is your threshold a little bit higher? I guess. Believe it or not, the QDMA threshold is two and a half year old. Okay, it's kind of one of those misconceptions. We certainly promote uh, protecting young, the youngest age class, the one year olds. Um, in most situations, in some situations, you don't even have to protect the one year old age class because you have a really balanced age structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so our our standard is, you know, if it's two or older, um, have at it. Um, the co-ops, particularly, we have a lot of hunters. I have opportunities on other properties that not. So on that co-op, there's about fifteen to sixteen hundred acres or so in the co-op. Um, we have about twenty two hunters in there. You know, so it's a fairly deer uh, dense hunter density. And not all those folks that I hunt with, my buddies, landowners, um, have access to other properties. I fortunately do. So for there, I don't. I, for me personally, I feel like if I shoot a buck that that is not going to make me really, really happy, and I'm taking away an opportunity from somebody else, mm-hmm. I'd rather go shoot a deer somewhere else because I have that opportunity. So for there. Mm-hmm. I'm happily, at, you know, other guys shoot three-year-olds. In fact, several folks have killed some three-year-old bucks this year. Um, sometimes I pass three-year-olds and somebody else shoots them. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that because I do have other opportunity. I'm just trying to be fair. Plus, you know, my own personal threshold at this point, I'm in my, you know, I'm 40, almost 43. Um, I've shot a decent amount of deer. Um, I don't have to shoot a three-year-old buck every year. I don't have to shoot a buck every year. I, I have plenty of venison typically. And uh, it's just me challenging myself and uh, trying to shoot a deer of an age class that's older is hard, and it makes me excited to do that. Yeah, gotcha. that's cool. You know, you almost said mid-40s, and then you decided to give yourself a little bit of credit there. I appreciate that, <laughs> man. I, under- I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, so one of the cool things, and I've said this before, I think the last time we had you on, like you're a great follow on social media because uh, you're pretty well-rounded, and you do something that a lot of people in, like, air quotes, industry don't do very often, and that's uh, – include your family in a real way and not like a setup kind of way, you know? And, and I just really yeah. appreciate that, man. Like, and it's so cool to see like the excitement your daughters had whenever you, you know, did your reveal in, to the, the buck to them and stuff like that. Like how have you, uh, <laughs> tell us, give us a couple tips on like, uh, invigorating or invigorating the youth for, you know, the love for animals and maybe even a love for deer management. Well, especially with younger, younger youth, you know, like kids, I, I'm, uh, 
a parent and a parent first. I mean, one of the things that uh, I appreciate your, that compliment. Uh, one of the things I started a couple of years ago for my girls, I had two daughters, for those that don't know, one's seven, one's five. And I want them to be excited and be interested in other doors, but I don't want to, like, hand it down the throat. So I try to make everything fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I want them to know is that it's they're always going to come first. You know, no matter what, and it's super important for me for them to feel that. So a couple of years ago, I told them that I would, our season opens October first for for a bow. I will. I made a new tradition a couple of years ago. We held to it is I'm not going to go on a hunt unless I go on my first hunt with them. So every year when we get a chance, um, the three of us will go out in a kind of a fun hunt where we bring snacks and. Um, get out there and see what we see and mostly it's just going to have a play date in the woods and I want to make that first time out with them. Um, but I'm also real that their limitations are much different than mine and what they can take and this year I tried to uh, see how much further I could take that. I, I brought my girls out a couple times when it was a bit colder and, we're, and, and I'm learning from that experience. You know, they're still pretty young of uh, what what they can handle, what they can't handle, when we have to bail. I mean, sometimes you have to go out and you're only out there 15 minutes. And it's like somebody's uncomfortable, you're leaving. So it's like, uh, you know, if the wind is wrong, you might have to change setups. It's like, hey, this isn't going to work. So um, I, I try to make everything fun and engaging and not be serious about it. And I, I, I have great mentors that have children and have, you know, their kids are older than my kids. And I'm, to take notes from what they've done and one, one of the people that I'm thinking about is a co-worker of mine and my immediate boss, Kip Adams. He's got kids that are about four or five years older than mine, a little bit older than that. And uh, I've taken a lot of good lessons from him. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool, man. I just uh, I I love their reaction whenever you showed on the buck. It was it was like, man, that's the, that's got to feel good yeah. as a, as a dad. Uh, um, I I appreciate that, and you know, honestly, I try to. And they're involved in anything I do. You got to keep it real. There's nothing fake about kids. They're going to say what they're going to say. They're yeah. going to say when they're uncomfortable or when they're having a good time. And uh, uh, it's a good lesson learned for everybody is still kind of watch and interact with kids because they're they, they tell you the truth. Yeah, they'll humble <laughs> you real quick. What my kids are going to say when they saw that deer? I, you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool, man. Well, have y'all? Um, seen a well first of all how long has that co-op been kind of established and then have you seen a a steady incline and then a difference in like the general deer population in your area as opposed to what it is there on the on the co-op yeah so the co-op's been we're going into our um, 11th year yeah that's the 11th uh hunting season so um i actually moved to new york about two years before that um, back, back to New York. I'm originally from the state, and uh, I was lucky that when I moved here, there was actually a local QDMA branch that I had known through work. I had been a QDMA employee for several years at that point, and uh, moved to the area and just started attending their meetings. Even though I'm an employee, I started going to the meetings and volunteering. And I, I do volunteer with the local branch. In fact, a lot of our employees do, and met one of the guys there that um, owned land and he invited me to hunt, and we said, but I, I said, hey, I'd love to, but what about all your neighbors? He said, well, they probably won't come along, but, you know, they don't really follow those kinds of things. <laughs> things. And I said, let's give it a shot. And here we are over a decade later. We have definitely seen an impact. Now, I'm like the uber deer nerd. You know, I, I like data. 
I had, you know, I ask folks for turn in jawbones, get weights. We do all kinds of habitat uh, indices. We do surveys to see how the, how the habitat's changing. And not everybody's going to do those things, but I can, without question, uh, give you measurable impacts of what we've done in terms of deer numbers, uh, numbers of bucks per acre of older age class that are out there, watching the habitat change. And, and a lot of that, I'll tell you, has been a real concerted effort of when we started, we, there was a lot, lot of deer, like overpopulated, and we reduced deer numbers intentionally the first several years, um, probably even to a point where we may have overdone that a little bit, but we shot a lot of deer, a lot of antlerless deer the first several seasons and uh, timed some significant timber work, some uh, forestry work right in the middle and slightly on the on the back end, like, you know, as we had started to reduce deer numbers. I did not want to start cutting a bunch of trees down with the deer numbers the way they were, just because I knew the response in the forest would not have been the same. We would have got a response of vegetation that deer don't like to eat. I wanted the stuff that grew back after the light hit the ground to be stuff that deer wanted to eat so that the deer were, that were still living there were benefiting from these really good plants. So we shot a lot of antlerless deer the first couple seasons, um, timed that with a pretty significant and widespread timber harvest plan, did some even age management, so there's some clearing, some good-sized clearings here and there, um, a lot of um, uneven age management, so kind of what people think of this thinning the forest, and uh, that has been continual since, and every every couple of years we do a little bit more and do a little bit more, including this series of clear cuts that we just did last summer. And uh, the deer that are living there are getting lots of groceries. <laughs> um, they're really, really fat and happy, and they're growing bigger antlers because of it. So, That's yeah, cool. I mean, we definitely have seen, seen a response. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, QDM is something that is just – uh, it's in Texas people in general, it seems like. Uh, like there are people I know that don't even hunt deer that think they know how to manage deer and they'll tell you all about it. And so it's something that is just an ideology that's kind of just bred into Texans, it feels like it sometimes. And so with that said, we over the last, I don't know, 15 plus years probably have had um, some regulations in the eastern half of our state that have um, that include um, – like a 13 inch or greater spread inside spread. Um, and some of these, so these, these different regulations are kind of, um, in my opinion, I guess, uh, put in place to allow us to grow bigger deer. And it has worked through and through. I think anybody that has been around for a while in the Eastern half of Texas or hunted, um, for, you know, a couple decades would, would agree with me that we are seeing a lot bigger bucks. But the one thing I worry about is with rules like that that are geared towards uh, higher age structure and bigger deer and, and that kind of thing, um, sometimes you uh, lose out on maybe like recruitment of young hunters and that kind of thing. Um, I know that for me, I shot a little tiny six point that was probably like eight or nine inches wide. That was my first deer. And I, I mean, wouldn't be legal at all uh, if it was shot in East Texas. And um, I was never, never been more happy to shoot a deer than I did on that first one, you know? So with that in mind, like how, how are you guys able to, um, kind of forego that to keep your daughters or, uh, the other co-op members, um, kids just hungry for it and also satisfied in the, in the means of like, 
you know, being able to shoot a buck. I mean, everybody wants to shoot a buck, right? I mean, oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I'll say a couple of things. One, uh, QEM is, is, is just completely ingrained in Texas because the QEM philosophy was born in Texas. So mm-hmm. that's, that's really why. I mean, in South Texas, uh, a book called Producing Quality of Whitetails came out in the 70s. And uh, that's where the word quality came from, that book title, mm-hmm. um, from Al Brothers and Murphy Ray Jr. And that's where TVM was born in Texas. Um, but it's a great point, what you're saying in terms of antler regulations. There's 20-plus states today that have some form of antler regulation in, the, um, in their policies or in their regulations for at least one deer in the bag limit. Um, some of those are statewide, some of them aren't. Um, but it's pretty ubiquitous. You know, you're talking about 20, 20 plus states have some kind of discussion about it. Uh, we, QDMA, you know, getting to the, to the work side of my brain, um, <laughs> we actually would like to see more of this stuff in a voluntary state. You know, yeah. In some cases, in the, it must be mandated um, because deer populations are so out of whack and you need to do something to enforce the change. Um, you know, we're pretty past that. I mean, we keep track of that at a national level in terms of the percent of yearling bucks or one-year-old bucks in the harvest and the percent of two- and three- and older-year-old bucks in the harvest nationally. And that has changed every year since the 80s. And uh, we're at a point of um, high bounty right now. And there's been never a point where the last two or three seasons where there's been the number and percentage of older bucks in the harvest. So a lot of people are just voluntarily doing it. My home state uh, is a great example. Actually, in one of your neighbors, Oklahoma, uh, we were talking about that before we got on the recording, um, is another great example. Those, those are two states that have encouraged, through education, their hunters to pass younger bucks, but they don't have it mandated. Um, New York started a program a couple of years ago that I'm really a big fan of. We had our fingers in that a little bit, um, where it, you get a regulations guide, you buy a license, you go and you're standing there at the license vendor, there's a poster there. It's pretty widespread campaign in the state that says, you know, let young bucks grow. It's your choice. That's what the New York DEC tells people. If you want better running, pass up young bucks. But there's nothing in the rules. Um, you know, me personally, I shot a lot of yearling bucks in my time. I mean, I try to work my way up the ladder, but my first buck was a spike. Most of my colleagues actually uh, at QDMA, their first deer were, were small yearling bucks. I mean, that is part, part of the rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Um, you shoot your first deer. And uh, I'm pretty heavily involved in a local, what we call, field of fork program where we're trying to introduce new hunters. And uh, I luckily, again, talking about my access, I, I have actually a family member that has a small working farm that I don't really have any animal regulations on there. I'm not asking folks to do anything, and that's where I've been bringing most of the new hunters. Um, and my kids are going there where they can shoot any deer they want. Um, so a, a close friend, college buddy, shot his first buck last year. His first deer was two seasons ago, but last year he got his first buck, and he killed uh, you know a, a young buck. It was it was great. I'm I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. So you know from the QDMA hat on. You know, talking about it from that perspective, we think that because the way the national uh, trend is going, there's just so many people that are voluntarily doing it, there's going to be a point where these rules are not necessary. And Mm -hmm. we would like to see a point where it is all voluntary, where 
you know, by choice, people shoot what they want, and there's still a good balanced age structure out there. Um, it, it seems like these rules are in place to grow older, you know, older bucks that have bigger antlers, and that's the goal. But really, it's about balance. I know we have talked about that before with you guys, but QDM is, is really about balancing the age structure and balancing the ratio of bucks to does for the health of the population. We can go into a whole tangent on that discussion, but <laughs> deer are very social creatures, and they they will behave and interact with each other in a more normal way where they're leaving sign. We all like to see sign in the woods, scrapes, rubs, all those things. That stuff starts to get more fine-tuned when you have balance in the, in the population. When there's deer in all age classes, and you have about an even ratio of bucks to does. When it's out of whack, it doesn't flow the way it's supposed to. And you have fawns that are born late. Um, you have smaller antlers because these, these bucks that are born late in the summer, you know, it might be a button buck, but it's born instead of April or May, it's born in July or August. That deer is going to have small antlers its whole life. So you want, you want the population to be um, just smoothly running itself. And the way to do that is you balance it. And that's why we do promote um, getting bucks in older age classes. But, hey, you know what? We're, we're doing a great job as a, as a uh, family of hunters out there. Right now, it's the, it's the time of bounty. I mean, there's lots of older bucks being shot every year because people are passing up young ones by choice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, and I can see that, you know, on a national scale, <laughs> if you, if you get on social media very long at all, you're going to see some big bucks down just like, uh, just like that one you, you got in New York, man. And it shows that, uh, you know, the QDMA or the QDM practices pay off. Now, if somebody who's listening wants to uh, learn a little bit more about, uh, QDM, QDM, and also the QDMA, it's so hard to work with those acronyms together. But uh, if they want to learn a little bit more about managing whitetails, uh, where should we send them? Just QDMA.com. Quality Deer Management Association is very active on social. We have Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. If you're out there and listening and you're, and you're dabbling into hunting, you've never hunted before, we have a great YouTube series that is for new hunters that want to learn how to deer hunt how to process deer, how to, you know, how to scout, how to, uh, what deer see, what they, what they smell, how, you know, how to basically set up a stand. So we're very active on the internet. We have a very strong communications and conservation field staff, and, uh, we have volunteers all over. We have, a um, the best family of volunteers out there. QDMA is a great organization. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And uh, we like our QDMA folks, man. It's always fun whenever you get to get together and see everybody. So, uh, Matt, congrats on a uh, a great buck yep. from from New York, man. It's it's cool. It's just not something that's on my radar as much. I think I told you off the air. You're you're the only guy I know in New York who's a hunter. So it's it's just a cool thing, and uh, a, it's cool to see a good guy get a great buck after a lot of hard work, man. So congratulations. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Sure. No problem, man. Well, good luck the rest of the season, dude, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Dead gummit, man. Matt Ross is killing deer. Uh, people he knows, he's taking, and they're killing deer. Like, the guy knows about deer. And it's pretty self-evident, like, how much like how much information that guy's got about whitetails. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, dude. I, he's he's – a he's. Um, it's funny, the first podcast we did with Matt – I believe that was a long time ago. Um, it was. And we tried to, you know, we, we always try to tell our guests because we know a lot of people are busy and, and uh, you know, 
strapped for time and that kind of thing. So we always try to tell them, you know, hey, um, we can, you know, we can be flexible. Um, if you need it to be 30 or 40 minutes, that's fine. If you want it, you know, if it doesn't matter, then we can go longer or whatever. And uh, we try to tell Matt, you know, hey, it'll, it, it's usually around 45 minutes. And um, when we got off the phone with him after that interview, he was like, I laughed when y'all said that because he, he's like, I know myself and I know that it wasn't going to be 45 minutes because <laughs> he just yeah. knows so much, man. You know, he does, man. I, I learned quite a bit from this interview. I know it was about the story of a big buck, but uh, man, that little knowledge about me dropped about deer that are born because their mothers are bred late will always have smaller antlers. Like I've never really heard that before. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting. It is Not because they'll always be small bucks, but like as far as like potential being behind a month or two makes that much of a difference to the whole, their whole lifespan. Yeah. And, and it, it is very intriguing for you and I, I feel like, because we have seen this play out where we live and when you're, you know, the further North you get or the more in the Midwest you get or whatever, a lot of times you get ruts that are pretty tight. They're in a tight window yeah. and, and things happen uh, like they're supposed to. And then, you come down here to East Texas and you see uh, deer snooping around and getting bred in February. And it's like, man, that's a, not a tight r- window. So, you know, no. you got this big drawn out. And, and so I've got, I actually posted this, uh, I don't know, it's been a while, but posted um, a trail camera video or picture, I can't remember, um, from that Exodus Trek camera that I hung last year in East Texas, actually. And or the one of the Exodus lifts actually, and um, it is a it's October eighth, and it is a but uh, or a a fawn with spots like, I mean I'm talking tiny little deer. Yeah. No telling you know when it was actually bred. So anyway, um, for us we see this play out when bucks get bigger because we always talk about you have this thing where you always that you always talk about called the East Texas eight. Explain yeah. that real quick. Uh, East Texas 8 is an 8 point that's about 15 inches wide. He's about 5 years old and is as pencil as it gets. Like just, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, nothing wrong with him, you know. Like I, I'm probably going to shoot one if I get a chance to. But they just have a certain look where they just kind of almost have like what you might call like diminutive antlers. Like mm-hmm. they're just very dinky looking, yeah. you know. And so and like, like – if you use them for rattling antlers, they go, ding, 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 you know, like that. <laughs> they wouldn't have no deep sound. It's like a fork hitting a wine glass at the reception or something. That's you know? right. That's yeah, right. no, it's, uh, it's, it's, but that, that's true, man. We see those deer a lot. And then we see deer like Teenager, for instance, that we followed the last few years. And, and some of these other bucks that have some mass and stuff like that from, you know, for, for an East Texas buck at least. And yeah. you got to think that those deer are getting, or, you know, their mom, their doe, that their mom that was a doe was a doe that was getting bred in November as opposed to the East Texas eight might've been a December or January breed. Um, and just, he just kind of stayed behind this, his whole life as, as far as antler development goes. So it's very interesting to us, I think at yeah. least in particular, and I'm sure a lot of other Southern hunters, um, that deal with long rut windows or whatever it might be because of mild conditions during the winter. So, yeah. um, anyway, I thought that was cool too, man. I did. But uh, um, speaking of Texas and deer and that kind of thing, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, the Texas series is now going live. And the one that has, that I think is most recent, if you're listening close to when this drops, is going to be the doe harvest that I had. And then uh, next up is 
Um, the big old Texas eight, not the not the East Texas eight, but the big <laughs> Texas eight. <laughs> yeah, real eight. It's a real long times and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So anyway, real excited about that. I can't wait to to uh, for people to see that. So feel free to go comment. Let us know. You know, root us on, cheer us on, whatever, or, or uh, let us know what you think about it all. And um, uh, we don't need any criticisms. We get plenty of those. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's right. Anyway, That's go right. check that out. Make sure you subscribe while you're at YouTube uh, to our playlist there or to our uh, channel. And, and um, you know, check out that season playlist. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. It's where we're adding everything from the season. Uh, started with Nebraska and then went into your elk hunt. We went into Iowa, or a few, few little East Texas uh, uh, hunts in there, Iowa, Texas, and it's going to be Kansas and Iowa and everything else from, from here on out. So uh, yeah. hopefully you'll like that playlist. But uh, anyway, yeah. And Casey. if y'all, uh, if y'all um, enjoy that kind of stuff, like the recaps of hunts and whatnot, we do have uh, kind of a more long-format podcast later in the week, and that's kind of the the – the old standby, right? Like the Thursday or Friday release podcast is kind of what we normally do. So mm-hmm. be sure you subscribe to our, our podcast feed on whatever your preferred podcast listening source is. That way you'll be uh, up to date on when that stuff launches. And we'll have another one coming out here, kind of a, probably a somewhat tactical and kind of recap of what's going on in the late season in Kansas and everywhere else we're hunting. Yeah. And I like the, I like the fact that we do a podcast and the YouTube thing because – um, you're not going to get the same thing, uh, the same parts of the story across all platforms. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, exactly. I mean, things can get so much more detailed in a podcast sometimes than they can in video because you just can't, uh, you can't show thought in a, in a video as well. And you can't have the video recording all the time, but you can recap yeah. that in a podcast format and really get the details and that kind of thing. And then get the visual side of thing in YouTube. So like, it's definitely worth uh, keeping up on all platforms, I guess. And then uh, uh, we're just going to keep, uh, as we hunt and stuff like that, trying to keep a little bit of a live video going on on uh, Instagram, on the story. So check in on all of it. We appreciate it. Um, and I hope you guys are having a great season. Casey, be safe traveling home, man. I'll see you in a few days, and we'll catch back up in another tree stand, I'm sure. All right, dude. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, Y'all have a good uh, a good December, man. It's upon us. It's a good time of year to kill a big buck. And remember, this is your element. Liberty. Liberty. Well, I've always heard blood is thicker than water. It's why she moves so slow when you look down upon her. Well, I can see a cross and it still looks the same. It's a rain. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, 
wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. 